Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Privilege that we have as children to be able to rejoice and enjoy your presence. Thank you, O God, for all that you have done and continue to do in our lives. Oh, bless your name, O God, for the things that you have done in the past, what you are doing right now, and what you will yet do. We give you all the praise, O God, because you are a faithful God who rejoices and enjoys the praise of your people. This morning, O God, we ask that, Father, your presence will be here and that you, O God, will visit with us. Issues and concerns, O God, of our individual lives, I pray, Father, let there be a touch from heaven that will put all those concerns to rest in Jesus' name. Our Father, O God, where there is confusion as to what it means to walk with you, as to what it means to believe you, I pray, Father, today that the entrance of your word will bring life and that that life, O God, will turn things around. We bless your name and we thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. This morning we are taking our text from the book of John chapter 9. John chapter 9, and we're reading from verse number 35 through 38. John chapter 9, reading from verse 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talks with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now, if you've ever read this verse of the scripture, this John chapter 9, you will know, at least have an idea of the background story. But the question that comes to mind is that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Jesus found him that was cast, uh, found, uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and found him and said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? Why would Jesus be asking the man who had just been healed if he believed in the Son of God? Why was Jesus asking the question? Now, for us to be able to understand the context of this question, I'll give you a little bit of background into this verse. In this chapter, chapter 9 of John's Gospel, the Bible says from verse number 1 through number 5, the disciples came to the Lord Jesus Christ and they asked him. They said they saw a man that was born blind who was begging for money. And they asked the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, hey, who is the person that sinned? So whereby this man is born blind. Is it the mother or the father that sinned? That caused it that this man was born blind? And Jesus Christ answered and said unto them, nobody sinned. So in other words, the, the, the blindness of this man is not as a result of the sin of his father or the sin of his mother. He just happens to be blind. But that God will glorify himself by healing this particular individual. That was what the Lord told him. 
The Lord specifically told them that whatever misfortune is going on in the life of an individual does not necessarily mean that sin is involved. There are times when sin is involved, but not all the you know, not every case is as a result of sin. If you go to verse 6 and verse number 7, the Bible told us there that Jesus Christ now made a little mud as he spit inside the clay and put it in the eyes of the guy and told him to go and wash. And by the time the guy washed, he became healed. His eyes were open. And then verse 8 through to 12, the Bible describes the people that were around there. They were amazed. They were astonished. They say, wow, there is a man that was born blind and this guy came and healed him. There was that commotion and there was a lot of rejoicing. And this man himself gave a testimony that I used to be blind, but now I can see. And now verse number 13. These interesting people called the Pharisees and the scribes, they now came. Mm. They began to question. They began to interrogate the man. Initially, they started by actually challenging the, by questioning the validity of the healing. The first thing they said was, that, are you sure this man was actually blind before, now that he's healed? Then they began to question it that he might, probably must have been an imposter. When that did not work, they began to, you know, they began to try to diminish the miracle that they should give, you know, you should give praise to God, not to this particular man because the man is a sinner, the man who healed him, which is Jesus Christ. After that, they now went into the issue of interrogating the man. They even called the parents of the blind man to ask, are you sure this is your son? Are you sure this boy was born blind? Are you sure this individual, you know, received the miracle that he received? And the parent had to turn it back on the boy and say, he's a grown up man, ask him. And the boy, and when they asked him, he was able to give a good defense, was able to tell them what it means, you know, how he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and how he got his healing. And then finally the man now told them, he said, after they have interrogated him over and over and over, the man now told them, hey, if you want to believe in him, you need to believe in him, but stop interrogating me. I've already told you. He healed me. This is what he did. And he told them, he said, if this man that you are saying is a sinner, is a sinner, how come he's able to do the work of God? Because we know that God does not hear sinner. So when he started preaching to the Pharisees, those guys got very angry and they now cast him out of the temple. When they cast him out of the temple, that is where we pick up that story in verse number 35. And that's why the Bible tells in that verse number 35 that when Jesus now saw him, he said, Jesus heard that he had been cast out. When, uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, do you believe? That is where the question came from. When Jesus found that they were casted him out of the temple because of his defense, because of what he has experienced, because of his testimony, of his healing, when they casted him out, Jesus now went to him and asked him the question. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? So the question is, why is it necessary to ask the question? Why would you expect, you would expect a person who has, whose eyes had just been made whole, if you had a problem and your leg is like this, and all of a sudden, God made it that your leg is straightened. You will expect, everybody will expect you to believe in God. Everybody will expect you that anyone who would have, who has, who, who have given a strong testimony in the presence of Pharisees and Sadducees, you will expect that that person believe in God. You will expect that a man who has successfully faced the opposition of the, of the, of the leaders of the church to be, to believe, to have believed in God. In other words, after experiencing a spectacular miracle, People, you know, faith in the Son of God should have been automatic. I mean, you are sick and somebody prayed for you and you received the healing. You will expect that person to have faith in God immediately. But Jesus understood that experiencing miracle is not enough. Okay? The fact that you have experienced a miracle does not mean that you believe in God. The fact that you have seen a miracle happen to you does not, be, does not mean that you believe in God. 
The Bible told us that for 40 years, the children of Israel enjoyed manna from heaven. That means you wake up in the morning and food is just raining from heaven. Food is just coming down. That's what the children, that is what the children of Israel experienced for 40 years. Every morning they wake up and there's manna just falling down. When they were tired of eating manna, they said, we want food, we want, we want meat. And they woke up the next morning and quail, birds were falling down from heaven. Just food. That is miracle. And yet, they still do not believe. So the fact that you have experienced a miracle does not mean you believe in God. Number two, the fact that you have seen a miracle happen does not, believe, does not mean that you are going to believe in God. People have seen the dead healed. The dead raised. They've seen sicknesses healed. They've seen the, they've seen people who, who who have been tormented by the devil, who, 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 who that the devil has been casted out of their body, and yet they do not believe. This is an example of the of the, of the Pharisees. The Pharisees saw this man that here is a man who was blind and he has been healed, and yet they refuse to believe in the Son of God. So experiencing miracle is not enough. Seeing a miracle is not enough. Being close to somebody who has experienced a miracle is not enough. In other words, proximity to miracle does not mean that you believe in God. Proximity to the power of God does not mean that you believe in God. The fact that you see God's action taking place right in your presence does not mean you believe in God. The, the Pharisees, they were in close proximity to the man who has just received the miracle and they still did not believe. And then finally, the fact that you have a record of a miracle taking place does not mean that you will believe in God. The fact that you have a record that God has done something in the life of somebody, that God has blessed somebody, that God has healed somebody, that God has delivered somebody from any part, from one particular problem, does not mean that you are going to believe God. So, when Jesus was asking this man, do you believe in the Son of Man? He knew exactly what he was asking. Because he knew that seeing, experiencing proximity and record of miracle does not guarantee that somebody will believe in God. So the question is, if seeing, if experiencing, if proximity, if the records of miracle does not guarantee faith, what is the thing that guarantees your faith? That is the question. What is the question? In other words, when Jesus was, and when Jesus asked the man if he believed in the Son of God, what was he asking him? What was he asking him? Now, to understand this, I need to just I need to explain two things to you. The first one is what is called faith. The other one is called belief. If you ask people, they think faith and belief are the same thing, but they are not. Faith and beliefs are two different things. Be- belief means that you are persuaded about somebody or something. You are persuaded. You believe that person's story. You are persuaded that what that person is saying is true. You believe that person. You, are, you know That is what is called belief. But when you talk about faith, faith, on the other hand, is confidence and trust in something or someone. Okay? There's a difference between persuasion and confidence. Okay? If I tell you that, yes, I am persuaded, that I believe that this car, you know, I believe that my car can take you from here down to, the, you know, to downtown Nashville. If I believe that, you know, and that means I believe that this car has the ability to drive from here to the other point. But for me to now enter the car and now drive all the way from here to Nashville means I put my trust, I put my faith in that car, in the ability of the car to move from point A to point B. If Jessica claims that she knows how to drive, I can believe her because she moved a car from one point A to point B. But do I have the confidence to sit in the car while she's driving? That's a different story. That is faith. Okay? So I believe you know how to drive. But do I have faith in your driving? There are two different things. 
Okay, I believe that a plane can take me from here to New York. But the question is that do I have the confidence, do I have the faith to enter, to board the plane and allow the plane to take me to New York? That's a different story. So belief is a persuasion, is a mental thing. Faith is an action thing, is an actionable thing. So faith takes your belief and puts it into action. Okay, and that's why the Bible tells in the book of James, James chapter 2. Reading from verse number eight, uh, reading from verse number nineteen, he said, "Thou believest that there is one God, okay? Thou believest that there is one God." He said, "Thou does well." The devil also believes and trembles. So you are not the only one who believes in God, okay? The devil also believes that there is a God. You get that? The devil believes that there is a God, and the devil does not just believe that there is a God. The devil trembles that there is a God. So, what James is saying that it is not enough for you to say, yes, I believe. So, if you look at verse number 20, he said, but will thou, uh, but will thou know, O vain man, that faith without work is dead. In other words, just believing doesn't do anything for you. What does your belief do for you? What is the action that comes out of your belief? And that is what is regard to, and that's what is referred to as faith. So that was why Jesus was asking. So when Jesus asked the man the question, what does that believe in the Son of God? What Jesus was asking is that, are you persuaded? Are you persuaded by this particular individual who healed your eyes? Who healed your who healed your blindness? Are you convinced that he is who he said he is? Are you convinced? Are you willing to act on that persuasion? Are you willing to take that particular faith, that particular persuasion, that particular confidence and put, begin to act upon it? That is what Jesus was asking him. Are you willing to move from the point of just, yes, a mental ascent to the point where you actually say, what I believe, I'm ready to act upon it. That was what Jesus was asking him. Thank you for listening. Before we continue with today's message, here's a preview of next week. Not only that, you fast to be able to express your love and your worship to the Almighty God. In the book of Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, reading from verse number 37, the Bible told us of a particular woman there. That when Jesus Christ was born and he was brought into the temple for dedication, there was a, a prophetess that was referred to as Anna. Anna the prophetess was in the temple. And the Bible says that Anna worshipped the Almighty God in prayer and fasting. That is all she did in the temple. She prayed and she fasted and she worshipped God with those two things. So we also express our love and we express our worship to the Almighty God through fasting and prayer. Prayer also helps us, you know, we. You know, you know, prayer helps us to be able to humble ourselves before the Almighty God. It helps us to express our concern for the work of God. It helps us to minister to the needs of other people when we are fasting and prayer. And it also helps us to be able to move difficult situations in our life. When you are seeing a particular difficult condition in your life repeated and repeated and repeated, and you are praying and you are praying and you are praying, what you find is that the only way you can attack that situation is sometimes when you go and you fast before the Almighty God. And that was what the Lord Jesus Christ was telling his disciples. If you remember the story, the Bible says that they went, Jesus Christ went to the Mount of Transfiguration. And as he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the other disciples were at the foot of the mountain. And they brought a particular boy to this particular, to this disciple. When they brought this boy to this particular their disciple, they prayed and they did what they can do, but they could not cure the child. And then the father now brought, when Jesus Christ now came down from the mountain, the father brought the boy to Jesus, and Jesus casted out that particular demon and healed that boy. And when he healed that boy, he turned to his disciple. He said, you cannot do this. 
You cannot deal with difficult situations. You cannot change difficult circumstances. You cannot correct what the enemy has done wrong in the life of people. Except you are willing to pray and you are willing to fast. So fasting helps us not just to be able to deal with conditions, but to be able to move difficult situations. And I pray the difficult situations in our life will move in Jesus' name. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And we see the man's response. If you look at John chapter 9, read from verse number 36. The man responded, who is he? Who is the Lord that I might believe in on him? In other words, the man was willing to take his faith, not just from a mental not just from a mental condition to an action. He said, who is that particular Son of God? So that I can believe on him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talks with him. And then the next thing, what you, what I want you to notice in that verse, that verse 36 and 37 is this. This is what I want you to notice. When Jesus asked the man if he was persuaded, if he was willing to put action to his faith, to his belief. When Jesus asked that question, what, did, what you will notice is that the man responded with another question. Okay, when Jesus said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man responded with another question, and his question was, Who is that Son of Man? What does that how why is that important? This is important because before anyone can truly believe anything, before anyone can truly exercise faith, before faith can well up in the heart of a man, four things must be present. Okay, the first thing that must be present is that there must be a knowledge. About that thing that you're about to believe in. Okay? You cannot believe in something you don't know about. Does that make sense? You do not, you cannot believe in something you don't know about. Number two, there has to be information about that particular thing. If you have no information about something, how can you believe it? How can you be persuaded by it? How can you act on that particular information if you don't have the information in the first place? Number three, there has to be an awareness of that particular thing. If you are not aware of something, how can you believe? How can you put your faith or confidence or trust in that thing that you are not aware of? And then finally, there has to be instruction. How can you believe something if you don't even know how that thing operates? So, when Jesus asked that question, do you believe on the Son of Man? Do you believe on the Son of God? The next thing the man asked was, who is that Son of God? Who is that Son of God? In other words, for you, the reason is the the reason why there's these four ingredients is because the knowledge is the foundation of your faith. Knowledge is the foundation of your faith. Knowledge is the foundation of your faith. If somebody tells me, Deborah knows how to drive, I say, fine, Deborah knows how to drive. Okay? But do I have the faith to be able to trust, to sit in the same car while Deborah will be doing the driving? The only reason I will, that my faith will be built up is if I have understanding. If somebody has told me how good she drives on the road, or how terrible she drives on the road. Okay? That is what will determine whether I will put my confidence in me sitting in the car and allow her to go. So knowledge is the foundation of your faith. If you don't know, you cannot believe. If you don't know, you cannot believe. And that's why the book of the Bible tells us the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, reading from verse number 17. He said, so then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. In other words, you cannot have faith except you hear, and that is the knowledge. Unless the knowledge of the word of God comes to you, unless you, are, unless you have that particular information that you need, 
faith will not come. And if you go back in that same chapter number 10, that's chapter 10, if you read verse 14, the Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, there is faith will not come unless somebody hear. Somebody will not hear or say somebody tells them. In other words, you cannot believe unless there is knowledge. Knowledge of who God is is what produces faith. Knowledge of the sacrifice of Christ is what produces faith. Knowledge of what God has done for you is what produces faith. Without faith, there is no foundation for... Sorry, without knowledge, there is no foundation for faith. Without knowledge, there is no foundation for faith. And this is what the man was asking. He wanted a foundation for his faith. That was why he asked, who is he that I might believe in him? Show me that person. Give me information about that person. Let me understand who he is. That way I will be able to believe it. It's just like when you are talking about how great one particular guy is. You have, if you have no information or how well somebody sings, if you don't, if you have never heard a song, you don't know about it. How? What do you? What do you want to evaluate? What do you want to believe? What do you want to have faith in? So that's the first one. So number two, information. That's so. The first thing I say is that knowledge is the foundation of our faith. Number two, information strengthens your faith. Information strengthens your faith. When somebody comes, if I tell you I'm going to give you a hundred dollars today. And you have information that, yes, you are able to see what is in my bank account. That I have maybe about $100,000 in there. And I promise I'm going to give you $100. You will have no problem believing me to be able to give you $100. Why? Because you see that this man has $100,000 in his account. So giving $100 will not be a problem. Okay? But if you know that I have $100,000 in my account, and I'm promising you a million, definitely you know I can't do that. So, the information strengthens your faith. If you know God loves you, God is able to do great things in your life. God is able to conquer the whole, you know, divide the heavens just to be able to deal you know, with your own situation. What happens is that it strengthens your faith and your confidence in that person. Because it gives you a confidence. If you believe that I have the ability to do something, it is easy for you to believe me when I tell you something. And that is what the Bible is telling. That's what this man is trying to find out. Say, who is he? Who is this man? That I might believe on him. He needs information to strengthen his faith. The information you have about something determines the strength of your faith about that thing. Number three, the awareness emboldens your faith. If Jessica gets himself gets herself in trouble, and ego is standing right beside him, it is possible for Jessica to run her mouth in front of her friends because you know that you have a big man that is standing behind you. Because you know that if any trouble comes. Ego is ready, is, is there to be able to fight. Okay? Because you know that there's somebody behind you, you can run your mouth and misbehave. You are aware of his presence. But if you know that ego is in somewhere in downtown or somewhere in Murfreesboro, and I'm here in Antioch, and I want to cause trouble, you will think twice because you know ego cannot automatically materialize where you are standing. It will take at least another 30 to 40 minutes for him to drive down. That is if he even picks up your, your, your phone in the first place. So you will begin to behave yourself. But if you are aware that he is there, if you are aware that he is present with you, if you are aware that he is standing right next to you, you can do whatever you want. The same thing, when you know that God's presence is right next to you, when you know that God's power is available to you, when you know the resources of heaven are available to you, it becomes very easy for you to be able to say, thus says the Lord. It is very easy for you to exercise faith. It is very easy for you to say, this is what I believe. It is very easy for you to declare the word of God because you know the power of the Almighty God is standing right next to you. 
So awareness emboldens your faith. And that's why the man asked the question, who is he that I might believe on him? And then finally, instruction inspires your faith. Instruction inspires your faith. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. In other words, if you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I will do this. That is the instruction that you are given. And because you already know who is giving you the instruction, you already have an idea of his resources. You know his power. When he tells you to do something, it is easy for you to do it. Just like going back to my example of having a hundred thousand in my account and ask and telling you that I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars. If I tell you all I need you to do is that when you come into this place in the morning, open up all the windows. And if I come in by ten o'clock and I enter this auditorium and I see all the windows open, I will give you a hundred dollars. In other words, the instructions that I give you, and because you know who I am, you know you are aware of my resources, you are aware of the things I'm able to do and I'm capable of doing, immediately I give you that instruction. And you know I have the ability to fulfill my promises. What happens is that when you come in here, the first thing you will do is you begin to open the blind because you know that I have the ability to do it. So instructions inspires your faith. Even if I've not given you the money, but you know that I have the resources. You know that I have the ability. You know that I have the money. It's easy for you to obey because of the instruction that I'm giving. So instructions inspire faith. That is why. That is why the man asked the question, Who is he that I might believe in him? And please note, faith without information is what is referred to as presumption. Okay? Faith without instruction is presumption. Okay? If you don't have the instruction on what to do, you walk into this auditorium. I have not told you to open the blind, but you come in and you open the blind and you say, I open the blind. I'm expecting to get a hundred dollars. Did I tell you I'm going to give you a hundred dollars? No. Did I instruct you to open the windows? No. You just felt it was a good thing to open the window and you felt that if opening the window is supposed to earn you a hundred dollars. If I have not told you to do so, if you open the windows on your own, you are on your own because I didn't promise you. And that is what the Bible, that's what I'm trying to say here. Faith without information is presumption. You're just presuming that that is what God will do if you don't have the information. Faith without knowledge is what is referred to as indoctrination. Okay? Faith without knowledge is indoctrination. Faith without instruction. Sorry, faith without information is presumption. Faith without knowledge is indoctrination. Faith without instruction is foolishness. And faith without awareness creates timidity. Faith without awareness of the presence of the Almighty God creates timidity. And that's why you see people say, oh, I believe in God. But they are not aware, they cannot feel the presence of God, and as such, they are not able to act in boldness. Okay? And this man did not want to, you know, he, he did not want to be presumptuous. The blind man that was healed does not want to, he didn't want to be presumptuous. He did not want to be indoctrinated by the, by the Pharisees. He did not want to exercise blind faith. And that was why he asked the logical question, who is he that I might believe in him? Who is he that I believe in him? Now, the question of this man also raises another issue. And the second issue, the other, the other thing it raises is that faith that is of any value will always, always, always prompt a question. Okay? Faith that has any value, faith that has any meaning, faith that will take you to the next level, always has a question. If you are sure of everything, then that is not faith. Okay? If you're sure of everything, that is not faith. Because faith will always generate question. Faith will always ask why. 
Faith will always ask who. Faith will always ask the next logical question. Because faith does not do what it does not. Sometimes it's illogical. Sometimes it doesn't work with the way things are doing. And that's why the Bible, if you just take an example, the Bible says that for anybody to live, he must die. Does that, does that make sense to anybody? It doesn't make sense. That if you are going to leave, you must die. The Bible says for you to get, you must for you to get, you must first of all release. In other words, if you look at the Bible, look, look, it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Is it what you is it you for you to reap, you have to first of all sow. That is the action of faith. It brings a lot of questions. For a child who does not understand how farming works, I don't know whether you two you guys understand how farming works, but if you are going to plant a maize, or you are going to plant a grain, or you are going to plant a corn, or whatever you want to plant. You cannot reap a harvest unless you first of all take that corn, that piece of corn, dig the ground, put it inside, and cover it up. Okay? That is the giving part. You have to release what is in your hand. If you don't release what is in your hand, what is your hand will remain like that. But if you put it in the ground and allow it to grow, and allow it to germinate, and allow it to begin to be, what you will find is that the one that you put in the ground, by the time you see it back again, it will give you at least 500 on that corn, on that health corn. Okay? And that is what faith talks of. But it brings questions for the people who are not exercised, who don't understand it. It brings questions. So any faith that is of any value to you, gifts always brings questions. And there are some people who believe that when you question something, it means that you don't believe. That is not true. It is because you believe. That's why you are asking the question. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.